Welcome to the Diversity Hygiene Academy podcast series. This is podcast number nine, and today we're going to be discussing floors and what to do with them, whether you should disinfect or not. We have with us today Jim Goche as our presenter. As a part of the Diversity Hygiene Academy, we will provide some slides on the topic, a video recording, audio recording, and also a quick narrative on the content. Please feel free to sit back and enjoy, listen, and learn. A podcast about cleaning? Diversity Hygiene Academy podcast series. Hey, Jim, welcome back, and thanks for joining us again today. Thanks, Ben. Glad to be here. Yeah, today we're going to have an interesting discussion on uh, floors, and we get these questions all the time, and people are wondering what they should do with them as far as disinfection. And so, I mean, to start this conversation off, I guess I'd just ask you kind of an open-ended question, you know. Do you really need to disinfect the floor? And if so, you know, what might be some specific areas for consideration where you might have to disinfect the floor? It's a great question, Dan, and it's, it's not an unusual question. I know as an infection preventionist, I get asked this a lot, and there's a lot of discussion and confusion out there. So when I look at, especially in healthcare settings, there is no clear guidance on what is the best practice for floors, whether you should clean, whether you need to sanitize, whether you need to disinfect. There's you know lots of recommendations that come out. And to me, and most of the literature that you read, they're very low-risk surfaces, right? So we're not too worried about them. And the studies that they've done when you actually clean versus disinfect, especially in a hospital, it's very inconclusive whether that helps the rate of hospital-associated infections. You know, there is times that we have to disinfect a floor, and it's very specific times. So the operating room, uh, the recommendations that come on both sides of the border here in the United States and Canada is the floor will be disinfected between cases if there is a risk of splash or spray or if it looks dirty, if there's visible body fluid, you know, some blood got down on there, definitely at the end of the day. The only other time I think we need to disinfect any floor in any kind of a setting, if there's been a visible spill of blood or body fluids. So if someone vomits in a mall, uh, you're going to want to clean that up and disinfect that area. If someone has a nosebleed, you're going to want to clean that blood up. And I'll talk about that as we go along here, I think. I, I think that's some stuff we probably need to lay out very clearly for people. Okay, so you've given us two very specific times when you know disinfection is is key for floors now there's a lot of we still get a lot of people and a lot of questions on well i still want to disinfect you know the floor and I, I think one one thing to be clear on is that just because you're using a disinfectant on your floor doesn't mean you're disinfecting so what are some of the steps that need to be considered in order to do this properly if if you truly want to disinfect the floor well, I think the biggest thing is you have to clean before you disinfect, and that applies to any surface. I don't care what it is, you can't disinfect dirt. And that gets back to your statement that you may be using a disinfectant, but you're not going to actually disinfect the surface. So I recommend, you know, it depends on your population. Generally, you'll see a lot of uh, push mops out there that you just take up the gross visible soil that's present. I like to try to recommend to use a wet mop for dusting if you've got susceptible people around. So if I was in a long-term care facility, for instance, where all of my uh, residents are elderly, I may not want to do dry mopping because you could generate some dust that could be hazardous to people. 
To me, to do a floor, you want to have a good cleaner, something that's going to remove the soil that's on that floor when you use a little bit of elbow grease. If you're actually going to use a disinfectant, it depends on how effective it is as a cleaner disinfectant because you may still need to clean the floor and then if you really want to disinfect the floor you're going to have to lay down the disinfectant but then you've got to find out what your contact time is for that disinfectant a lot of floor disinfectants are based on a quaternary ammonium chemistry and they require a 10-minute contact time so most ORs that are using a 10-minute contact time at end of day will just flood the floor and let it sit wet little pool of it all over the place after they've cleaned it, allow that contact time to happen, and then they'll either mop it up, squeegee it off to the side into a drain, which you shouldn't have in an operating room, uh, or use some sort of a machine to aspirate it up. So the other thing that you can look at, if you really feel you need to kill bacteria, is a lot of disinfectants have a contact time to achieve sanitizing, which is a lesser kill. It's not quite what you're going to get with the disinfection, but it also depends what's on the floor. One of my big drawbacks to trying to disinfect a floor is as soon as it's walked on, it's going to be contaminated again. Uh, so I go through this in healthcare settings that, well, if you're going, you know, you were worried about that bad bug the patient had and you want to disinfect the floor, well, where do you stop? Do you just do the patient's room? Um, you know, but all the nursing staff and the healthcare staff were in and out of that room and they'll see on average four patients um, up and down that hallway. So are you going to do the entire hallway? Do you do all the adjacent rooms? Everybody that went to the cafeteria with stuff in their shoes, are you going to do the stairwells and the floors below? It just gets a little crazy when we're going to recontaminate the floor as soon as somebody steps on it again. So that's where I find the hesitation to do it, except as I've stated in an operating room. Yeah, and speaking of recontamination, I mean, I, I, I imagine, you know, if you, you got to look at various cleaning methods for floor cleaning as well and, and how those, those play into uh, your considerations for picking the right one. And, you know, we still see a lot of, of mop and buckets, traditional mop and buckets with a ring around them and cotton mops. I mean, so uh, let's take a look at some of these uh, methods and hopefully come up with a, a uh, uh, good, better, best, or a bad, better, best scenario, if you may. Yeah, uh, and I've never been a fan of the mop and bucket. You know, I go back to the late 70s when I was mopping a floor in our fast food restaurant that shall remain nameless. Actually, it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, but, you know, the mop, the bucket, the squeege, uh, the uh, ringer, all were disgusting-looking things because we just never really actually cleaned them. We sort of swapped a solution around to get some of the grease off the floor, and Bob, your uncle, were out of there. So there's issues with a mop and bucket. Um, in healthcare, you know, if, if you're not going into one of those specialized rooms like contact precautions where we're worried about a bacteria, um, the current recommendation is you only change the fluid in the mop bucket every three rooms if you're still using a ringer and a string mop. So that's pretty sketchy to me. Uh, and the funny thing is they always say, well, when you go into the first room with your clean bucket of solution in your mop, you always do the patient's room first after you picked up all the debris, and then you do the washroom last. So you're not going to go into the restroom until you've mopped the rest of the room. And as you mop, you're always dipping the mop in the solution to rinse it out a little bit, get more solution, squeeze it out, do the bathroom last. But then it's acceptable to take all that water to the next room. So I've just found that to be crazy, really. Um, so you're also, with those buckets, you use a large volume of water and chemical. And the labor, that repetitive strain of having to wring out that mop head every time you've dipped it is an issue. 
Then you've got to worry about what to do with the mop heads. Someone has to take those and send them off to be laundered, make sure that they come back. And you can tell by that story I gave you of doing the the patient room, then the washroom, and then doing the next room, there's a huge risk for potential of cross-contamination. And on top of that, the mops and buckets can be disgusting. I'm very happy that up here in Ontario, where I live, um, our government group that looks at all the infectious diseases and stuff came out with a document, and they've been very clear that your cleaning equipment must be clean. So I, when I lecture around to other infection preventionists up and down the country, I'm always indicating to them, you have to be able to look at your mop buckets, if that's what you're still using, and it should look brand new. If there's anything in there that looks like a bathtub ring, or if your mop's not shiny white or shiny blue, depending on what the fibers are on it, there's a real good chance you're putting bacteria on the floor, even if you have a disinfectant, because that bathtub ring is like a biofilm. Uh, so you've got to make sure that your cleaning equipment is clean. Um, and so all of you, the next time you go out to someplace like a mall, when we're able to go back to the malls, uh, you see somebody mopping a floor, take a peek in the bucket and see what that looks like, because you could, you, you could be in for quite a surprise from what you see. Oh, yeah. I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen that out, out in the field before. And not only that, I, I also see in restaurants quite a bit where, they're mopping the floors and then you look on the baseboards and you can actually start to see the dirt transferring onto the walls and into the grout lines on the walls because it's, it's like you said, it's basically transferring soils and not, and not removing it or picking it up. So, so what might be some better options for us, Jim? Well, to me, there's, there's much better options, actually. And um, I like the flat mops. There's these nice microfiber um, mops that, they're flat, they're a pad, basically. They sit in a little pan of solution, so you're not using as much of the solution that you're using, be it a, a cleaner or a cleaner disinfectant. And you take the one mop out, you squeeze out the gross amount of fluid that's on it, you put it on the floor, you put your mop head on it, they usually Velcro onto each other. Um, you use it, um, they're much easier to move back and forth. Uh, you do your area with the floor when you're not seeing the solution being dropped or when the mop head looks really dirty. You stand on it, you pull it off, you send it off to laundry or it's disposable, and you take a new mop head out. So there's no chance of transferring dirty cleaning solution anywhere. Um, and once it's laundered and comes back, if it's laundered appropriately, you get back a pretty good head. Now, part of the problem with microfibers is they don't like to let go. They pick up great but when you're laundering them, many times they come back looking soiled. Uh, they may have been through a process, but they're really finicky at letting stuff go. I personally love the disposable flat mops, the disposable microfiber, because I find that they're just a better way of doing things. So that's my good. Uh, mop and bucket, back. I don't really like them. Flat mops, that's my good. My best is using a machine. Uh, because we've got some really, really top-notch machines out there that drop down solution. They have an agitator that will actually um, put the solution onto the floor, sort of rub it. You know, usually picture two uh, rotating discs or one rotating disc, and then it sucks up the solution. So you may not have a really long contact time of the solution on the floor, but you've got that agitation, the mechanical action that's just going to pick some stuff up. And in the long run, I think the machine is the much better way to go because you get rid of that human factor of how hard was I pressing, how hard did I work. And I've seen studies to show that these things can pick up like five times the amount of soil compared to a mop and bucket. And so as it picks up that dirty water, that goes into a separate chamber inside most of these machines. And the chamber in front is putting down that clean solution. So you can cover a lot more area. 
with the solution that you would normally use. The floor is cleaned and dried at the same time. And there's a variation of manufacturers on these machines. Uh, you've got some that are the size of a small vacuum cleaner, so you can get into uh, restrooms and do them that way. You've got the large ones that we're all probably familiar with that someone actually rides on and works their way up and down hallways or convention centers or you know, doing a larger area with these machines. A lot less labor involved with them much more efficient pickup. I saw an internal study from our company where they actually just looked at one organism, but they compared all the different mop types and compared it to using one of these auto scrubbers. And the auto scrubber actually won for removal of the microorganisms over top of the disinfectant that was actually trying to kill. So I like those. That to me is the best is to get into the auto scrubbers. Mm. Yeah. That, you know, one of the things as you mentioned was, because the auto scrubber puts on the solution and if you're using it in a, in a uh, you know, daily fashion, like you are normal use, it basically picks up the solution right away. So, so contact time could be uh, an issue with an, an auto scrubber if you're trying to truly disinfect. So I, I guess if you're going to use the auto scrubber, you, you might want to, and truly disinfect, you might have to put the solution down, let it sit and then pick it up after the contact time. Correct. And then I guess the other question I, I would have is, if you don't do that, is there still some benefit with having the dis? And you're using a disinfectant. Is there still some benefit with having the di- disinfectant in that recovery tank and keeping the at least the machine some somewhat um, you know disinfected or safer? That depends on how dirty the floor is. You know that study I referred to. They were using a disinfectant. And the auto scrubber dropped it, agitated it, and sucked it up. So the contact time, I don't know how fast it, they uh, ran it over the test piece of uh, stuff, but the contact time is probably less than five seconds, let's say. And they compared that to a microfiber mop and disinfectant and still found the machine removed more organisms, right? So there's mm-hmm. that aspect of do we have to kill stuff or just remove it? And you're right. As it gets up into that holding tank, there will be some residual disinfectant activity. It depends on the amount of dirt because dirt will break down the disinfectant, but it's a lot better than just having a cleaner in there. Uh, it's going to give you that little bit of extra kill up in the tank. Oh, that makes sense. You know, another thing that we hear quite a bit, Jim, is, and especially um, in, in situations and scenarios when uh, customers are just flat mopping with disinfectants on a daily basis, we hear of situations or complaints that they're saying that their floors are becoming hazy or sticky when using the disinfectant on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Can you explain, yep. you know, kind of why that happens and, and what they should do about it? Yeah, my understanding is there's a, there's a few things that can go on there. And I've seen floors like that. I think we all have, right? You can see floors like that in schools. You can see it in malls. Uh, I've seen it in doctor's offices where there's a high traffic area. And there's a, a combination of things. I think the first thing is, back to my original statement, you have to clean before you do anything. You have to get up the dust that's on there. And if you're just using one effort, right, you, you're going to go in, you get your uh, flat mop ready to go. You don't sweep first that dirt can actually then get worked into the solution as it dries and harden onto the floor. Or there's just too much dirt there for the methods that you're trying to do to pick it up. And that is the actual dirt on the floor that's providing the haze. The other problem with these quaternary ammonium compounds is they do leave a residue. There's a, a suspension there of product that's actually trying to kill the microorganisms or act as a cleaner. And almost 
all quat disinfectants or even quat cleaners. Eventually, you have to do a good deep clean to get them off or a rinse cycle. So if you flooded an OR and let it sit for 10 minutes and you're just going to pick it up, there's a lot of residue down there. You may then want to go over it with clear water to pick up the quat solution. Um, I know I saw a video once of an operating room where we got invited in to do the uh, stripping of the floor because it was such a bad buildup. The floor looked dirty in an operating room. And I saw pictures next to each other of how they actually started and had to strip it down to get it right back down to the basic floor. And the amount of dirt was rather scary to see. So it can, it's definitely the product. Sometimes if you over-dilute the product, uh, you're trying to get the floor to look wet or it's not cleaning as well, you're using, um, you want to put more on. So if you have to put a lot of solution on to try to make it look clean and then you're letting that evaporate, again, you can end up with a hazy-looking floor or a sticky-looking floor for sure. Yeah, good point. You know, one of the things you mentioned early on in our conversation when we started this, this off and we're talking about should you or should you not disinfect the floor uh, was situations when you have blood and body spills. So what are some protocols and procedures, best practices when this occurs on floors? Yeah, this could almost be an entire talk just by itself. Uh, but, you know, briefly, if you're uh, responsible for an area where you've seen something on the floor, say somebody has a nosebleed, because uh, that can happen without even trauma. Somebody just has a nosebleed, you get some blood in the floor. Well, you want to block off that area so people aren't going to be hiking through it and then clean back to the clean first. So, you know, you can use almost anything as long as it's absorbent. Uh, personally, at home, if my kids uh, have a stomach upset and they vomited, I'm going to clean it up with some paper towels, right, and get rid of that. Or if I have a towel handy, I'll use that. I'll rinse the towel out and wash it, right, something that's washable. Um, in a public setting, because it's blood or other body fluids that could be infectious to us, I'll want to put on a pair of gloves so I don't get it on my skin. Because uh, if I've got some micro cuts, that could be dangerous to me, depending on what's in the blood or body fluid. So let's just assume any kind of blood or body fluid is bad. You don't have to stop and try to figure out, you know, oh, should I worry about some of these other infections or not? Just put on personal protective equipment. And depending on the size of the spill, you may want to add goggles. You may want to have a gown on, depending on how intense this is going to be to clean up. Definitely gloves. The rest of the protective equipment, look at your disinfectant. If your disinfectant says you should have eye protection on, you're going to need that. And it's the volume of the spill to me. So then you're going to want it after it's been cleaned, you want to get the disinfectant down. Find out what the contact time is. You know, if you've got a real, uh, some of the newer disinfectants out there with the improved hydrogen peroxide, your contact time might be a wipe one minute, keep it wet, you're good. If you're still using uh, like a 10-minute quat, that's why you have the area blocked off. You're going to have to make sure that area stays wet for 10 minutes to ensure that you've killed what might be there. And we just assume there's stuff there. Then you're going to want to wipe that up, dry the area, and then remove the barriers. Uh, so that's the easiest way, I think, to take care of blood or body fluids. Assume they're bad, uh, get them cleaned up, get the disinfectant on for the contact time, get it dry, get your barriers gone. Okay. You know, th that kind of leads into uh, something else that's new in, in the um, newer in the market as far as for floor coatings. And what I'm referring to are these, these antimicrobial floor finishes. Um, there's, there's a lot of different marketing material that's out there and, and, and claims that are going around about these antimicrobial floor finishes. So these, these uh, newer coatings, what can, you, what can you tell us about them? What's, what's fact and what's fiction a little bit with them? And, and what, what should we expect that, that these coatings are actually doing? 
Right. I think most of it is fiction, uh, to tell you the truth. Uh, I don't, I've never been a great one for antimicrobial products. Um, I find that, you know, it's an additive that's been put down. You either layer it on or it's been incorporated into the actual uh, material that the floor stuff's made out of. I generally say vinyl, even though I know floors are made out of a bunch of different things. But that material, they will impregnate it into it. Now, you know, the manufacturers can't claim that it's killing organisms of public health concern, right? So they can't say to you, well, you know, that's going to take care of any staph bug that's there. Uh, they're just not allowed to make those claims. They can say this will help control odors. Um, you know, if you have spoilage bacteria, there's terms that they're allowed to use, but they really can't say it's going to stop infections. It's really designed to protect the material itself from microbes, any microorganisms, not to protect people from microbes. And this gets back to floors are dirty. Um, you know, I've looked at my healthcare setting and, you know, most hospitals and clinics and stuff clean once a day. They'll go into the patient's room, do this good cleaning and stuff. And I've been talking a lot about how we need to clean more frequently depending on what we do with the patient. And I have this concept called targeted moments of environmental disinfection. But one of the moments is if anything touches the floor, it has to be used on a patient or by a patient. So if the patient drops his cell phone in a hospital room and I pick it up, to give it back to them. I really should disinfect that because there's stuff on the floor. Regardless of when it was cleaned, if somebody walked in, there's more bugs on the floor. Let's just assume floors are dirty. Anything that touches the floor, I'm going to want to disinfect before I pick it up. So you can tell in public areas, I am not a big fan of the five-second rule, that if you get food off the floor within five seconds, it's fine to eat, right? That's just crazy. Uh, so I don't understand the need for the antimicrobial floor finish unless it's for that controlling of odors. So maybe in restrooms where there may be some urine on the floor uh, as the uh, it splashes out of the toilets or the toilets splash a little bit when they flush. To me, that's about the only place I can see it. I know a lot of people are really surprised that Jim doesn't have any antimicrobial products in his home because to me, it's hype. I would rather clean well with soap and water or if I have like some chicken blood or something like that that I really want to clean up well, there's a lot of household disinfectants that I would probably go to instead of depending on something that's impregnated with an antimicrobial mm -hmm. agent. Yeah, I agree. Thank you for that. So one other question that I have or topic that comes up quite a bit, and that's, that's the carpet. So we're talking about floors. Carpeting is on the floor. And one of the things that is asked quite frequently is, can you disinfect the carpet? And I guess this is the, the second part of this question is, well, one, can you disinfect the carpet, right? But two is, if you use a disinfect on the carpet, which one would you consider and why would you even use a disinfectant on a carpet to begin with? Yeah, uh, so the short answer is no, you can't disinfect a carpet. And even a product uh, that is a good disinfectant, when we register them, you know, in Health Canada and we get our drug identification number or the DIN number, or if we register them in the United States with the Environmental Protection Agency and we get our EPA number, they will never allow us to say we can disinfect a soft surface. They will allow us to say you can have soft surface sanitizing claim. And sanitizing is another podcast you can listen to about all the differences between these words. Uh, but sanitizing means you're only going to kill about 99.9% .9 or three log of the organisms that are there. But nobody will let you say that you can disinfect the carpet. So if you are 
if you have a body fluid spill on a soft surface like a carpet, you may want to find a disinfectant that has a sanit- soft surface sanitizing claim. So you know you're going to kill some of the bacteria there. But a lot of it is based on the technique. So, okay, a carpet can't be disinfected. And if you are going to use a disinfectant on a carpet, you'd want to look for, probably look for that soft surface sanitizer claim. What about blood and body spills on the carpet? If it can't be disinfected, what are, what are we to do there? And that's a tough one, right? Because uh, the first thing is, I would say, should I have carpet in this area where I can have blood or body fluid spilled? So I've been into many long-term care facilities. I've been into retirement homes. And unfortunately, some of our population, as they age, become incontinent. They can't go to the washroom when they want to. Uh, so they may, I hate the term, but they may leak. Um, so if you're cleaning up a lot of uh, blood or other body fluids that's present on carpet, maybe it's time to see whether you need to have the carpet there. If an accident happens, it's the same as the hard floor to a certain extent where you want to block off the area. Make sure you get the right personal protective equipment on. Definitely at least gloves. Get those on. Depending on what you're going to use on the, as the solution, you may also then need to add other things. Um, So if you can get that disinfectant with the soft surface sanitizing claim, that's the best. Have it ready to go. Clean up as much as you can. Uh, So if somebody's had a fecal accident where they've got some feces on a carpet, you really, as gross as it's going to be, you want to scrape up as much of that waste as you can. If there's blood in the carpet, back to that absorbent material, let's absorb as much as we can and dispose of that contaminated equipment. Uh, for sure. Then you're going to want to apply the disinfectant, allow the contact time, even though it's not truly going to disinfect, but you want to get it on there. And then I would suggest you actually extract that solution. So you can use a shop pack, you can bring in some sort of an auto scrubber or a carpet extractor to take up the waste material that's left at the time. Make sure you clean yourself up. But the best suggestion that I just read about recently is the next day after everything is dry, and the carpet's safe to go back on again, extract it again with good hot water extraction just to take up any residue that might still be there from the disinfectant, from the cleaning agents that you've used, from the residual of the body fluids because there's other chemicals and stuff that could be left in the carpet. But it's probably best to come back the next day and do another re-extraction on it. Who would have thought that there's this much to consider when talking about cleaning and disinfection on floors? But but really, there is quite a bit to think about. So. If you could, Jim, um, if you could just take a few moments and summarize some key things to think about and remember as it pertains to potential risk and contamination. So I think, you know, I've already said floors have bacteria on them, uh, regardless of whether you clean them or disinfect them. As soon as someone else walks on them, you know, we don't live in a sterile world. We live on the planet Earth. Every human being is a little bug factory. Some of us are leaving more bugs out than others, depending on how what we're doing through the course of the day. So floors are going to have bacteria on them. They rapidly become recontaminated. So it's to me, I would rather remove them on a regular basis. So you may find that you can't just go over the floor once a day. If you're in a high traffic area, you may need to block off some areas of the floor and do them more frequently. But you really got to look at the risk of what's going on. So something that's on the floor to affect me I have to get it off the floor by touching it or using something that's been on the floor and then get it into me. So the scenario would be I'm walking down the mall. I drop my sandwich on the floor. I think, oh, that's a really good sandwich. I pick it up and eat it. So now what what is ever on the floor I'm going to get? Or if I'm walking along and I juggle my phone, it hits the floor. 
and I pick it up and I put it against my head, there's not a lot of way for the bugs to get in at that point, but I may want to wash my hands before I eat. So that's, I don't worry about the bugs in my environment. I worry about doing very specific hygiene practices, such as not touching my eyes, nose, or mouth with a dirty hand, and washing my hands or using alcohol-based hand rub, the hand sanitizer stuff, before I eat. That's going to get rid of any bugs that I may have picked up. So I think if we try to talk to people about what they're doing with their floors and explain to them, you know, there's bugs there. Let's look at having hand sanitizer available at the doctor's office in case I touch the floor. Or if I'm going to go to the mall food court, let me clean my hands. So everything else that I've touched before I actually get to having my food, I can take care of the issue there. Good. So if you could then just wrap up a few best practices we should remember when cleaning floors. So I think the biggest thing, if you're still using a mop and bucket and that ringer, don't double dip. So you, you're going to go through a lot of mop hits that way, but why would you want to put dirty water and then dirtier water and then the dirtiest water back on a floor as you dip and ring and go? Uh, I think it's just best to never double dip. In our whole cleaning, especially in healthcare, we don't have our environmental services technicians go back into a bucket of solution with the rag to rinse it out. The rag goes in once, it's not put back in again, it goes off. So that's why I like using a reusable or disposable microfiber or a flat mop and use a good cleaner or a disinfectant cleaner for the floors, but it only will get wetted once. It gets used on the floor and then off it goes to either be disposed or redone. Make sure that the products that you're using, if it has to be diluted from a concentrate, and I don't care if it's just a cleaner that you're using, a neutral cleaner in terms of pH, or if you're using a, a cleaner disinfectant, it has to be diluted properly, or you're gonna run into that hazy issue that we talked about um, earlier in the talk here. I love the auto scrubbers. Uh, I didn't realize how much cleaning these auto scrubbers actually do if they're maintained properly. If you have a good one, uh, they're great. In terms of that haze again, you don't want to oversaturate the floor or mops. If you're having trouble with that, bring in an expert. I know Diversity as a company has some floor experts that know way more than I know, but they can come in and solve your problems. I was on a call one day uh, with a guy I didn't even realize he's from the company for sure. Uh, I didn't realize he knew as much as he did about floors. We were there about something totally different. And he looked down, it was in their emergency area. And he said, you guys are doing this and this and this to clean this floor. And they looked at him going, how'd you know that? And he says, because of this amount of dirt, you need to do this and this and this to get that looking better. Um, and he just offered them a solution to their problem of this ratty looking floor. So make sure if you need some help, reach out and there's experts out there that can help you. If you're using that quad disinfectant, I think one of the best practices is to make sure that you rinse it or remove it um, with a good scrubbing from those floors to keep your floors looking great. Because a lot of people recognize that floors, when they look grody, gives that bad ambience to everything else that they're going to see. Uh, a lot of people like shiny floors. I'm not a great one for the shine. I like floors that look clean, that don't have stains on them. Uh, that gives me a good sense of that area that I'm in. So I think we got to aim for those best practices. Yeah, that sounds great. Great recap, Jim. And, and again, you know, thank you for your time today. And thanks for being with us and sharing your expertise with us. Not a problem. Talk to you soon. Thanks.